This is Trinity Church of the Vale Valley, loving God, loving people, and living free. Welcome back, everyone. This is Pastor Ethan, and today is July 23rd, 2023. And friends, after a one-week break, after having taken a one-week break, today we're picking back up in our introduction into the book of Proverbs. Now, if you missed our first message, I encourage you to give it a listen. You can find it on our podcast or go to our church website, trinityvale.com. Go to the Beaver Creek page, and there you will find all the info and the resources for my messages, as is always the case. So, jumping right back in. Friends, our big takeaway from our first message was that the great theme, the greatest theme of Proverbs, right? the central focus to which the writers draw us is for our trust to be in the Lord, right? In Yahweh, right? The I am. Proverbs 1.7 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of of knowledge. And we're going to come back to that idea because it's so important. And throughout its 31 chapters, Proverbs directs us, it calls us, it teaches us the great value, both practically and eternity, eternally, of trusting in God, of trusting in the Lord, in the core of our being, and importantly, in all we say and do, very practically. And friends, because that is true, The second great theme of Proverbs, inseparably connected to the first, is wisdom. Wisdom. To put it another way, the necessary result, right, affirmative result of trusting in the Lord is responding to the call of and walking in the path of the miraculous gift of wisdom. Now, on this topic... I'm going to cover a lot of ground today. We're going to look at multiple different of the Proverbs. And my point here, my my invitation, my hope, is that we're just able perhaps to listen and to to be overwhelmed, to be moved to worship as we just start to try to wrap our brains around, wrap our arms around and consider the magnitude and the intense practicality of this miraculous gift. So, the call to wisdom is heard from the very first breath of the Proverbs. Right at the beginning, Proverbs chapter 1, verse 1. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for gaining wisdom. What's the purpose? The very first statement, for gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight. And importantly, as we talked about this last week, this wisdom isn't just human wisdom. It is the wisdom from the Lord, and it always directs us to the Lord. In chapter 2, verse 6, for the Lord gives wisdom, right? The Lord gives wisdom, and from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. Listen as I just read several examples of how the Spirit here is calling us, calling to us, um, just revealing to us the preciousness of wisdom. In chapter 4, verses 1 through 9, Solomon writes, right, through the lens of a father speaking to his child, listen, my sons, to a father's instruction. Pay attention and gain understanding. I give you sound learning, so do not forsake my teaching. 
For I too was a son to my father, still tender and cherished by my mother. And then he taught me and he said to me, Take hold of my words with all your heart. Keep my commands and you will live. So get wisdom. Get understanding. Do not forget my words or turn away from them. Do not forsake wisdom and she will protect you. Love her and she will watch over you. And I love verse 7 here. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. Though it costs all you have, get understanding. Cherish her and she will exalt you. Embrace her and she will honor you. She will give you a garland to grace your head and present you with a glorious crown. Wow. In Proverbs chapter 8, verses 1 through 5, we read, Does not wisdom call out? Does not understanding raise her voice? At the highest point along the way, where the paths meet, she takes her stand. Beside the gate leading into the city, at the entrance, she cries aloud, To you, O people, I call out. I raise my voice to all mankind. You who are simple, gain prudence. You who are foolish, set your hearts upon it. In Proverbs 8, verses 10 and 11, wisdom personified says, Choose my instruction instead of silver, knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is more precious than rubies, and nothing you desire can compare with her. My friends, the Spirit's message here through Solomon is clear. It is impossible to overstate the importance and the value of wisdom. And as we go through these collections in the coming months, we are going to see wisdom take on many different forms, express different attributes, different words will be used as these attributes of wisdom. And there's many of these, but I want to look now just very briefly at some of the most predominant. And the first is prudence. In Proverbs 14.8, one of many places we see this, um, we read the wisdom of the prudent, right? That prudence is a part of wisdom. The wisdom of the prudent is to give thought to their ways, but the folly of fools is deception, right? Again, we talked about this last, last time. We see this contrast between wisdom and the foolish. And the wisdom of the prudent, the key here is to give thought to their ways. In other words, prudence connects wisdom to our behavior. It's the idea of good sense as we engage with the world around us. The prudent person, they pay attention to what's going on, to what is happening. They're observant and they give this thought and consideration and let this be an influence on how they take appropriate action. Right, lots we could talk about there and we will talk about. But going on, we also see the idea of insight and discretion. Again, in Proverbs 8, verses 12 and 14. I, wisdom, dwell together with prudence, right? Wisdom and the consideration that leads to our behavior. I, wisdom, dwell together with prudence. I possess knowledge and discretion. Now listen to this. Counsel and sound judgment are mine. I have insight, therefore I have power. Insight here is the idea of a penetrating mind. It's the mental intellectual, and I would add emotional ability to discern truth, right? To distinguish between right and wrong, good and evil, what is sound and best. And key, 
the insightful person gains their insight from God, right? Not just their own powers of observation, although our powers of observation are important, but ultimately our insight is from God, his revelation to us, right? Not just trusting in our own initial instincts, right? In fact, that's a key of insight is that we don't just trust in our own initial instincts, but we look to the Lord, right? Connected to this, the insightful person will desire and seek out guidance, in chapter 1, verses 5 and 6, let the wise listen and add to their learning, and let the discerning get guidance for understanding the Proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. Now, the word for guidance in Proverbs, it's a nautical term. It's the idea of navigation. Guidance doesn't happen by accident. It's the result of wisdom applied through prudence, insight. And the next attribute that we have here is understanding. Chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. Again, examples of many. One example of many. The writer says, Blessed are those who find wisdom, those who gain understanding. For she is more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. Now, the predominant use of understanding here and in Proverbs is very practical. And you see there in that verse, Wisdom and understanding, right, yields, right, good returns, right? Very, very practical, right? Very earthy in the, the, the dynamics of life, right? It connects wisdom with the idea of competence, right? Knowing how to get things done in a wise way, right? In an effectively, the effectively best way, right? Understanding here is not just some generic kind of philosophical sense, but it's pragmatic, giving the wise person power to make good choices in what they are doing. And then lastly, at least for now, we see in Proverbs the powerful connection between wisdom and humility. Proverbs 11.2, When pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with humility comes wisdom. Now, that's the pride comes before fall passage. Very, very famous. But what we see here is that both pride and humility are reinforcing cycles. Again, and we're going to see this throughout the Proverbs. Pride leads to folly, and the fool becomes proud. In contrast to that, humility is the environment in which wisdom grows and flourish, and the truly wise person is increasingly humble. Okay. Let's take a step back. Friends, if we look at the Proverbs, just this glimpse I've just given here, and we say, well, yes, I see that wisdom is desirable, but how does it happen? If I want to possess wisdom, then where do I start? And the answer could not be more clear. It's the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. Verse 9, 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, right? We just saw in Proverbs 1.7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And here it says the fear of the Lord, right, developing this theme, is the beginning of wisdom. But what does this mean, right, specifically in the Proverbs, right, this idea of fearing the Lord? Well, we know it's, it's not terror. But what we see is if we look broadly throughout Proverbs and really examine this, is this is describing a deep respect and awe, a profound love of God and humility before God. Right? To fear the Lord, fear of the Lord is a perspective. It's a posture of our heart that is fully yielded to the Lord's teaching 
and that desires to live in obedience because it is confident of the Lord's goodness and wisdom. Right? One interpreter described the fear of the Lord as an affectionate reverence by which the child of God humbly and carefully seeks to conform to the character and the nature of the Father. Thus, in Proverbs, the fear of the Lord doesn't just lead us into wisdom, it leads us into righteousness. To live in wisdom is to live in righteousness. And the righteous person before the Lord will live out, will express the wisdom of the Lord. Let's take this one step deeper into this, okay? And friends, throughout the Proverbs, we have this inseparable concepts of wisdom and righteousness. And we see them expressed in two predominant themes. We see them expressed in many ways, but in two overwhelming predominant themes. And they are how one handles our words and how one handles wealth. Again, two great themes of wisdom and righteousness together throughout the Proverbs are the danger and power of the tongue and the danger and power of money. So let's just briefly talk about these. First, the idea of wisdom and our words. Right? We see here, just a few examples, how the tongue has the power, right, first, of life and death. Proverbs 18.21, the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat of its fruit. This is the idea that words have the power to shape and influence people's beliefs and convictions. And so time and time again, the Proverbs will speak to the importance of considering our words. In Proverbs 15.4, the writer says, The soothing tongue is a tree of life, or a bringer of life, but a perverse tongue crushes the spirit. It's likely that you've experienced this yourself. The power of words to bring hope, compassion, peace, or conversely, to ruin our day are far worse. It's possible someone here is still carrying a wound from something said to you in your past, maybe far in your past, maybe your childhood. Or perhaps you carry guilt from something that you said that you know caused another person harm. And my friends, if so, know that the wisdom of Proverbs also points us towards the grace of forgiveness and the healing of God. Similarly, right, the words, the tongue, has the power to heal and destroy. In chapter 12, verse 18, the words of the reckless pierce like swords. Right? And the word reckless there is key. We'll talk about that in depth when we get to it. The words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. But friends, our words don't just impact other people. The tongue also has the power to reward or damage its owner, right? How we speak to others about others has a profound impact on the one speaking, on ourselves. Chapter 12, verse 14, from the fruit of their lips, people are filled with good things and the work of their hands bring them rewards. In chapter 18, verse six and seven, in contrast to this, The lips of fools bring them strife, and their mouths invite a beating. The mouth of fools are their undoing, and their lips are a snare to their very lives. A student of the great theologian F.F. Bruce is said to have created the following acronym. And this is just one way to begin to, to, to remember, to grasp 
how Proverbs is going to speak about the power of the tongue. And this is the idea, this is a mnemonic device, that wise speech is like a gentle breath. The gentle breath. And by the way, again, I have all of my notes. You can download from our church website, trinityvale.com, on our Beaver Creek tab. If you open up my notes PDF or the lesson plan PDF for this message, this is all there. All these scriptures are there, okay? So think of wise speech in Proverbs like a gentle breath. So first of all, gentle. Our words are not harsh. Chapter 15, verse 1. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Gentleness of speech sounds like the fruit of the Spirit, doesn't it? So now let's go through then the word breath, the acronym breath. So our speech is gentle, and B, it boasts not. It isn't proud. 27, verse 1 and 2. Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring. Let someone else praise you, right? Let someone else use their words to praise you, not your own mouth, but an outsider and not your own lips, right? Wise speech doesn't boast. Then the R, wise speech is restrained. Proverbs 17, 14, starting, starting a quarrel is like breaching a dam. So drop the matter before a dispute breaks out. Boy, there's such practical wisdom there. Right, Our wise speech is restrained. Chapter 17, verse 27 and 28. The one who has knowledge uses words with restraint. And whoever has understanding is even-tempered. Even fools are thought wise if they keep silent and discerning if they hold their tongues. In our last message, we talked about how Mark Twain, right, Samuel Langhorne Clements, is credited as saying, you know, it's better to, better, better to be thought a fool um, and keep silent, then open your mouth and remove all doubt, right? Where did he get that? Proverbs 17, verse 28. Even fools are thought wise if they keep silent, if they restrain themselves and discerning if they hold their tongues. So that's B-R and then the E is why speech doesn't eavesdrop, right? The acronym here is forced a little bit, but it doesn't eavesdrop or gossip. Proverbs 11, verses 12 and 13. Whoever derides their neighbor has no sense, but the one who has understanding holds their tongue. For a gossip betrays a confidence, but a trustworthy person keeps a secret. In other words, wise speech minds its own business. Wise speech isn't trying to tear down another person. And then to the A in breath, wise speech is apt. Proverbs 15.2 the tongue of the wise makes knowledge present. This is, by the way, this is out of the NASB. It's a better translation of this verse here. It really captures it better. The tongue of the wise makes knowledge pleasant, but the mouth of fools spouts foolishness. Right? An apt word makes knowledge pleasant. Right? Apt is saying, knowing what to say at the right time in the right way that it has power. Right? The tongue of the wise right, makes truth appealing is another way that you could say that, an apt word. And then the T, this is so important, wise speech is thoughtful. It's not rash. Proverbs 15, 28, the heart of the righteous weighs its answers, but the mouth of the wicked gushes evil. And Proverbs 18, 13, 
to answer before listening, that is folly and shame, right? Friends, <laughs> as followers of Christ now, with the character and nature of Christ, of God, and then looking back into this incredible wisdom and so much of it about the wisdom of how we speak before we speak. And this gets into what we post on social media, what we email, what we give thumbs ups to, what we agree with, and all the ways that we communicate ourselves. May we be wise people who are thoughtful, who give consideration. And then lastly, the H in breath is wise speech is honest. Proverbs 12, 19 and 22. Truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue lasts only a moment. For the Lord detests lying lips, but he delights in people who are trustworthy. All right, just leaving that there. Again, huge theme throughout Proverbs and, by the way, throughout all of Scripture. Likewise, the wisdom of Proverbs has much to say about how we handle wealth. And just a glimpse here, okay? Wisdom and our, and our wealth, wisdom and money. So Proverbs contains many warnings against the power of money, particularly easy money, right? The greatest warning, however, is how money tempts us to place our trust in it rather than God. Right, Proverbs 28, 11, right? Very well-known statement. It says, the rich are wise in their own eyes. The one who is poor and discerning sees how deluded they are. You know, it's been said that our greatest barrier keeping us from God is our own perceived ability to provide for ourselves because wealth and prosperity, and that's just not monetarily, right? All the different ways we can consider wealth and prosperity Wealth and prosperity can blind us to our fundamental need of God, right? Think of Jesus speaking about the camel and the eye of the needle. It's easier, right? It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Why? That's not a condemning statement. It's just when we think we have everything we need ourselves, why do we need God? But that said, Proverbs also honestly describes how money has great practical value. Proverbs 12, 9, better to be nobody and yet have a servant, right? Better to be have no reputation and yet have some financial resources than to pretend to be somebody and have no food, right? Than to be well thought of and to starve. Dave Ramsey said, broke, stressed out people who are in deep in debt right, are never going to change the world. Likewise, friends, and you know this, and many of you are on the giving end of this, but as a pastor and having witnessed and received incredible generosity to our church over the last 20 years, I will tell you that every time that God has provided financially, like if you look at the history of the church, the totality of the history of Christianity, every time God has provided financially for the work of his, for the work of his kingdom, God did this through the generosity of another human being, right? Who gave out of their wealth and their financial resources, All right? Money has great power in the hands of God and in the hands and the heart of a generous person who is obedient to God and seeks the wisdom of the Lord. But the great thing, um, the, the great thing that we see when it comes to money and wealth positively is that true wealth 
gives first to the Lord, right? Generosity, what I just said. Proverbs 3, 9, and 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops, and then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. In other words, honor the Lord with your wealth, and then you will be truly wealthy. Okay, now, this brings to mind, though, a point, very important point from our first message. Many of the Proverbs, right, they're, they're all statements of truth, but many of the Proverbs, while they are statements of truth, they are not promises of outcomes, right? We look at this and say, well, let me see, honor the Lord with my wealth, with the first fruits, my crops, then my barns will be overflowing and my vats will brim over with new wine. So I'm going to, if I just give my tithe to the church, then God is going to make my business successful. But we all know that there are godly and have been godly, generous people who have not increased their wealth. In fact, who may have lost their wealth through no fault of their own. But friends, the principle here is true and it's powerful. Moreover, and most importantly, this proverb points to our hearts, not our bank accounts. Right? What is the motivation of honoring God with our wealth? Just to get more money? No, it is to know God. For knowing God is the greatest possession that one may have. Another way we could say this is that the Proverbs are not about a transaction where we do one thing and then God is bound to do another. Rather, the wisdom of the Proverbs is about transformation. Right, the changing of our heart to know and to receive and to live in the goodness of God. You see, when it comes to the role of money and wealth, the wisdom of Proverbs is about how to be, not about how to get. Friends, the wisdom of Proverbs points us to God's desires for who we are, not the temporary nature of what we have. So let me end with this. As profound and powerful as all of these Proverbs are, the wisdom of Proverbs bows before an eternally greater wisdom. And that is the wisdom and the grace of God made manifest in Jesus Christ. In fact, throughout Proverbs, we see wisdom personified as a woman, right? Many scholars talk about the woman wisdom in Proverbs. And my friends, many scholars have demonstrated that woman wisdom is, in fact, a foreshadowing of none other than Jesus himself. And we will explore that next week. Church, I love you. Thank you so much for tracking with me today. And we will see you back here next Sunday. God bless.